Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to thank you for joining us. This is podcast number 14, and as we just continue along and putting content out there and hopefully we're inspiring you hopefully we're helping you guys get to that next level in your career i'm really excited to bring uh, a good friend of mine as a guest today uh his name is luke kwiachinski and i'm gonna go ahead and put the spelling in the show notes so you can actually see how how that's spelled so that i don't butcher it i thought my last name was difficult with uataki but uh Today we have Kwiatkowski and Uataki on the podcast, so I'm really excited to bring him to you guys, present kind of some of the things that he does, because at the Young Businessman at Tulsa, we're, we're big on philanthropy, we're big on giving back to your community and helping uh, make a better community uh, for ourselves and for, for the next generation. So uh, what I want to do is I want to introduce Luke, and I'm actually going to let Luke introduce himself because uh, I, I think he's going to be able to really better articulate uh, who he is, but also what the Urban, Urban Alliance is. So, Luke, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Evan. Thanks for, for having me on today. Um, I'm the executive director of an organization up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, called Urban Alliance. Um, and it's kind of, a, as we were talking before we started, it's, it's a long story on how I got here. Um, but I'm a former business owner. Um, I started and ran and, and sold a business. Um, and when I got was going through that process, I always was had this feeling that I wasn't lined up with what I was supposed to be doing. I had talents, I had skills of being able to connect with people and work with diverse groups. And while I was running the business and I enjoyed it, I knew I wasn't in line with the true purpose of my life. So after I, I sold the business and I took a, a year off to finish my degree that I had started and stopped multiple times, um, I started applying for jobs and I realized that the only person I'd ever worked for is myself, which poses a problem for many employers because they didn't know if and how I would um, play ball in a corporate world. And so I, I kind of had to go through this soul searching of what am I supposed to be doing? What is the job that I was kind of designed to do? And I found the organization Urban Alliance. Um, my friend at the time was running it, and I, I called him up and said, hey, do you need any help? If, I, if I'm having trouble landing a job, and this was – right after the, the big recession. So there wasn't a ton of hiring going on. I'm, I'm going to learn some new skills. And I didn't know much about what they did. Um, I knew they worked in urban communities. And so I just started plugging in. And as I volunteered, I think the first week I volunteered four hours. Four months later, I was volunteering 30 hours a week. 
um, it just, it clicked. And one of my good friends said, you know, there's situations where you really search out and find exactly what you were supposed to be doing. And other times you're searching and it finds you. And so my, my involvement with UA was, it was never planned. It was never, this was my goal. I want to run a a nonprofit organization. But as I get in, got into this work, it matched so closely with my passions and um, my desires to help people and challenge me intellectually and from an organizational standpoint that it, it just clicked on, on all eight cylinders. So tell, tell everybody what, a little bit about what the Urban Alliance does in your community. So Urban Alliance, our goal is to transform urban communities. Up here in, in Kalamazoo, the neighborhood that, that we're in, it's the largest neighborhood the um, unemployment rate within the neighborhoods hovering around 45 um, wow. percent. The poverty the poverty rate in our city um, is 35 percent currently. The problem that we see is the overall unemployment rate for the greater Kalamazoo area is about 3.6 percent. So there's this huge disparity between one part of Kalamazoo and the other part of Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. And we want to bring that light into these neighborhoods. If, if I had to sum up what Urban Alliance is about, um, our, our mission is really to communicate the value that resides in every individual and in every neighborhood. And we do that through um, outreach. You know, Tomorrow for Thanksgiving, we're serving a huge Thanksgiving meal, probably 500 residents come eat with them, hang out with them, show them that they're, they're worth our time. Mm-hmm. Um, we do job training and job development for individuals that have had um, rough pasts, you know, criminal backgrounds, substance abuse, um, homelessness, with the goal of, of really providing hope that they're, when they're ready when they want to change, that there's an avenue and an organization that sees them and sees their potential and is willing to invest in them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I love that you guys do that. And I love that that's something that you feel is, is, is part of your purpose. Um, I, I don't know that I can completely relate to the Kalamazoo area now, but when, when I, I actually lived in Southern Michigan and, uh, I remember, you know, driving to Kalamazoo all the time and some of the statistics that you're throwing at me, I never, I don't know that I ever saw any of that. And so unless it's either a gotten a lot worse than when I was been there or it's always been there and I was just never truly tuned into it. And I think that's probably something that happens in all communities. Like I look at my community and I know that there's uh, poverty. I know that there's um, a lot of unemployment in certain areas, but I'm kind of completely immune to a lot of that. Because I'm in my bubble, right? I'm, I'm yep. in my car. I, I drive from point A to point B, and I, I might drive through certain areas, but to me, that's just landscape, right? Like, I don't actually see into the house, see into the struggle, see into the challenges that some of these people face. And so uh, if I understand correctly, what the, what the Urban Alliance is doing is, is, is helping to not necessarily shine a light on it, but just say, hey, this problem is real. And there's something out there uh, that's in your very own backyard that needs right. help. And here's some ways that we can make an impact and do that. Absolutely. You know, I... We make, you know, 
even even myself, I lived in Kalamazoo for I've lived here for the last eighteen years, and I I knew that there was poverty, but I would drive past and I would make assumptions about those neighborhoods. I would make assumptions about the people in those neighborhoods, and when you're looking at these neighborhoods or these individuals from a distance, it's really easy to make assumptions and to not put a face in an individual with a particular problem. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's marginalization and it's, um, it's so easy to do when you don't know the people, but when you start meeting them and hearing their stories and hearing their struggles and their fights, it kind of, it kind of wakes it up. And I would say most of the individuals, um, most of Kalamazoo is aware of the poverty, but they haven't seen it firsthand. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it almost doesn't feel real. It's almost a theoretical thing because it doesn't affect them on a daily basis. Yeah. It's like you hear about how many homicides happen every year in your city. And, uh, let's say it's, you know, 78, so you have 78 homicides. That's just a number. Right. right. But when you realize that that's 78 people, 78 families that are potentially affected by that, se- those are potentially 78 brothers and 78 sisters or 78 husbands and 78 wives. It when when you talk about marginalization, like I think it's so easy to look at the number and not put a value on the number of what that really means. And so Correct. You know, I what I would hope that you know, if if there's any kind of key takeaways, and we got a lot of stuff to to talk about today, but um, that we look at our community communities differently, and we as business people, not just look at it as how can we grow our business in this community, but in some capacity, how can we serve our community? Because ultimately, I believe that it's the business community that has the most to gain and also the most to lose when it comes to the quality of their community. Absolutely. One thing that I saw on your website that I really liked was uh, you have like a, almost a little message kind of explaining who you are and what you do. And one of the quotes that you have on there uh, or the questions that you pose on there is when is it okay to give up on somebody? And I, I think what you're kind of saying is that when you're looking at uh, somebody who has a criminal background or you're looking at somebody with a, with a drug addiction or whatever it may be, at, at what point do you just say, you know, well, you had a good run, bud. Uh, you screwed it up, and now you got to just kind of deal with the decisions that you made. I, I believe that you're actually saying something different. I, I believe that you're saying we should always see the best in people and, and try to try to help them. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't. I. I think it's never okay to completely give up on somebody. I do believe that there are situations where an individual is too close to another individual and needs to cut ties for their safety, for their well-being. But as a, as a community, if we are okay with giving up on people, if we're okay with reducing them to a life of poverty, what hope is there? What incentive is there for them to turn their life around? Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, we had a guy, um, his name is Dan. He served 17 years in uh, federal prison, eight of it in solitary confinement. 
I don't know exactly his crime because um, my staff only alerts me to ones that I need to be aware of. But I know to do that sort of time, it, it has to be pretty significant. And he wore this, you know, he came out. He he used to be a business owner before he went in. He had a rough spell. And he, he comes out and he wants to make his life better. He wants to, to re-enter in the community. But as he was out applying for jobs, um, by the time he came to us, six months after he was released, he had reply, applied for 100 jobs. Wow. And he hadn't had a single phone call to set up an interview. He hadn't had anything. So as a society, we were giving up on on him. So what options does he have? Can He can go back to a life of crime, which he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. But because of how we are are okay saying, well, you did this, and that's forever who you are, he he lost hope. Mm-hmm. And he he went through one of our programs. Um, he got a job. He became the star employee at that organization. Four months later, he'd saved up enough money to buy a car. He was renting an apartment. And he was back into society, and all it took was a mindset shift from you are your past to what do you want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. There, our actions really didn't – we didn't really do anything amazing other than shift our mindset for seeing him for his potential as seeing him for his past. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's harder to do depending on the individual, depending on how you, close you are to it. But I think as communities, we can say we are a place for people to get second chances or third chances, and we have the systems and the organizations to do that. And you create this wave of hope. So somebody like Dan, he knew people in the neighborhood. He had friends, and he shared his struggle about how he couldn't get a job. When he got a job, all these individuals that were saying, well, if Dan's not getting a job, what hope is there for me? Dan has a job now. Now they're saying, wow, if he can get a job, if he can turn <laughs> his life around, maybe I can. Yeah. And so you just start this this ripple of effect where people, they carry themselves a little bit higher. They think better of themselves. They think that they're worth fighting for. And when they think, even myself, when I think I'm worth fighting for, I'm going to perform differently than if I think I'm a lost cause. Yeah. I think the, the, just the power of the word hope and what that means, especially to people who have made mistakes in their lives. Uh, I was actually thinking about, and you might have a better grasp, grasp on the statistic, but you know, with everybody kind of living in the lifestyle that they live, sometimes people live from paycheck to paycheck. And I don't think some people really realize how close they are to potential poverty or potential homelessness. Uh, A lot of people don't have a lot of savings. And so if they screw up um, and, you know, make one bad decision, they could go from being a like like what you said, Dan, like a a business owner or very active in the business community to all the way on the complete other side of it to where they're potentially an outcast. And uh, I, I think that we really as a as a society don't realize that sometimes the people that are that we see along the street or seeing pushing a, a shopping cart down the down the sidewalk 
that we probably have a lot more in common with those people than we actually think. And they're just looking for that hope. They're looking for that opportunity to get out of the situation. And I think a lot of them accept the situation they're in because they do not believe that there's hope out there. That's exactly it. There's, they, you know, it goes back to that value. What, what is your value? Are you, are you worth something? Does the community even see you as a person or do they see you as, as a problem that, they have to look at mm-hmm. when they're at a stoplight. Um, it, it's it blows me away when I hear the stories of the struggle and how hard people are fighting. And I'm like, I always have to ask the question. Like, I probably I probably would have given up a lot sooner than they would. Like, it takes the the fight that they have to putting their life back on track. A lot of times, um, given the right scenario and giving a different set of circumstances growing up, they would be the, the millionaire business owner. They would, they would have, um, success by our standards, but because of cards that they've been, they've been given a couple of bad decisions that they made in moments of weakness, they're on the street and you, you see at one time, you see the smile on their face when they graduate from something from the, for the first time or they get that job, they get the car. Um, we had a, a girl that went through one of our programs and her biggest motivation was um, to get her son back. That was why she was doing it. And she overcame a meth addiction, which I think one out of 150, 200 people have the ability to do that. And she was doing it for him. She was working third shift while she was going through our program. She was fighting. She all these obligations and the strength that it took for her to get back on track, um, just just absolutely floored me. And it, it all and all it really took from our end and from the business community was to say, "You're worth a ch- you're worth you're worth investing in. You're worth a little bit of risk for us." Yeah. And I think that's. To me, that's one of the exciting things about how the business community in Kalamazoo particularly has stepped up to the plate is why not? You know what? We have our safeguards. We have jobs for individuals. If we can figure out a way to reduce the risk to a palatable level, we can get these individuals a job and we can we can change the way Kalamazoo is viewed from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, part of the purpose of this podcast is to kind of speak to myself 10 years ago or people like myself 10 years ago. And so I think that, uh, kind of a lot of things we're talking about are people maybe that are a little bit further along in, in age that, that are trying to get back into it. Maybe they served a 10 year sentence. So, or, or like in Dan's case, a 17 year sentence, that's a long time. Yes. Uh, if I think of my, myself 17 years ago, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big difference than, than myself now. And, and thinking about the person that I was then versus the person that I, that I am now, I, pro- I, I probably felt that I was invincible. I probably felt that not necessarily I wouldn't get caught, but like the, the gravity of the decisions that you make at that age, uh, you don't right. realize how, um, how much a decision you make then could affect your life, you know, so much further down. 
And so, yep. you know, hopefully the people that are listening to this, this podcast are, are some of those people that are maybe just starting to get into their careers, maybe, you know, you know, even getting out of high school into college and, and kind of working their way up. I mean, that's that's our goal is we want to help that next generation. And I think one of the things that would be a key takeaway from some of the stuff we're talking about is that the decisions that you're making right now have a huge impact on your future self 10 years, 20 years from now. And it only takes one little mistake to completely change the trajectory of the things that you're doing. So I would challenge you, look at some of the things that you're doing. Look at the decisions you're making. Look at look at your mentality in terms of I'm invincible or I'm not going to get caught or it's just this little thing and yep. realize that that could all change almost in an instant. And you could potentially be in the same position as Dan where it's 17 years later and you're going through a hundred different job interviews just to try to get back into society. And you're looking at things going, you know what? I, I know that I can do these jobs. I know, I know that I'm uh, capable. It's just, mm -hmm. I just somebody please give me a chance. You right. know, one of the things that you talked about, you make an analogy about like if, if you're, te you're teaching a child how to walk, how much grace and how much compassion you have for them uh, when they fall down and you're encouraging them the whole, the whole time to try to get back up. But then when you look at like an ex offender um, trying to get their life back on track, you don't necessarily give them the same kind of grace. Uh, you almost just kind of say, well, you know, I knew that was going to happen. You almost feel justified in, in feeling that they're not worthy of the opportunity that you gave them because you knew that they were going to backslide or you knew they were going to have that challenge. So I get I get that analogy, and I, I think that we should obviously give people a chance. But part of me also says a child's not somebody with a violent past. A child's not a person who's battling addiction or potentially represents your business. Um, right. And so there's a lot of risk there, and they could potentially put your business in a negative light. How do you change somebody's viewpoint? Uh, how do you change your viewpoint to somebody's past history um, to, to still give them that chance but, but also protect yourself from right. them potentially falling again. To me, it all goes down. You know, the biggest, uh, the biggest tool to protect ourselves to understand this is is a relationship. You know, I I spoke um, Rotary Club last week, and I told them that every program that we have is an excuse to develop a relationship with somebody. So when you look at somebody's criminal background, you look at their arrest record and you see all these things on paper, you, you have this picture in your mind of who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. The same thing goes, you know, when I'm out meeting with business leaders, I read their, their resumes and I'm like, holy cow, this person has accomplished so much. And what am I even going to say to them? And then you meet them and they're this really cool, down-to-earth guy that has just worked hard, mm -hmm. and they're approachable. The same, the same thing can be said for for this population. That relationship is the bit, the biggest way to reduce your risk. And so, when we were starting out um, with our employment program, we had to go to businesses and tell them, you know, I've known this guy for, he's been in our program for six weeks. He showed up. He's hard work. I know his past says this, but I, I see a different person here. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was very difficult to get businesses to, to hop on board with hiring somebody and giving somebody a chance. Now that we've been doing this for almost three years, 
I can show them the success numbers at this point in time. We've, we've proved that this population is more than their past. Mm-hmm. And so when you're a business owner and you're choosing to hire somebody, that's, you're choosing to take a risk on whoever you hire and you're choosing to make an investment because it costs money to train them and get them up to speed. Mm-hmm. And business owners, I, I used, you know, I used to be one. You want to know that that money is going to be re- returned to you. And the fact that they stay on as an employee, that they represent your company well, that, that they're passionate, that they learn. You can you know, we, we, we show them our numbers. We show them the history of this population. And I think that's what makes it work here in Kalamazoo. I spoke with a company six months ago and their turnover for the year was 400%. Wow. Must've been a call center. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually it was a, it's a good manufacturer in the area. Um, Kalamazoo is just, we have an unemployment rate of 3.6%. So, um, a huge portion of the active labor force is already is already working, and so they were using staffing centers and different um, options to try to get people in there to work, but they just they couldn't they couldn't retain them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I go to a company like that and I tell them that this population that previously that they they hadn't been engaged with, um, our retention numbers at six months are eighty five percent. Wow it changes their view instantly. Mm-hmm. They, they say, wow, I, we haven't looked or thought about hiring that portion of the population. And what we've seen over and over again is many of these individuals, when they're given that chance, like Dan, to enter a job at a decent wage and somebody gave them that chance, the loyalty and the dedication to that job are off the charts. And they just feel grateful for that opportunity. And oftentimes, you, they won't, they never leave the company. They stay. And so there's this, you know, learning to walk. Are you going to be okay if they fall down? Mentality is easier to, to stomach as a company when you know that the majority of the guys are going to be successful because of the relationships that we have developed with them, that we have been able to walk with them for a period of time, get them stable. My organization takes the majority of the risk. And then when we go to you, you have a product, um, an individual that has some training that's been stabilized, that's not as risky as they appear on paper. Mm. That's awesome. I, yeah, whenever I kind of see some of that stuff, and and I'm not I'm not trying to like kind of poke holes and stuff, but it it just kind of gets my mind wandering. Like as you know, I haven't been approached uh, for something like that, and I and I don't know that some of the stuff that I do would be a complete fit for it. But you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that could benefit. Obviously, manufacturing is one of them. But I love the fact that they recognize that they had somebody give them a chance. Yep. And they care so much about that, especially a guy like Dan, who's been turned down a hundred times. I got to think that his motivation moving forward is I am not going to screw this up. I'm going to do the best job I possibly can because I appreciate that somebody, you know, stuck their neck out and, and was willing to, to say, you know, what, I believe that this guy has value. And I believe that this guy is somebody that um, can add value to your company. 
And so, if anything, he's probably going to, like you said, he he actually was, what, employee of the month or whatever. Like, he was yep. one of the top performers. Like, I think that he probably took that so much to heart that he was, right. he was willing to go above and beyond. Absolutely. So, I know that the Urban Alliance is more than just re- rehabilitation. It's You help with housing. You help with employment. Uh, there's a ministry side to it, a collaboration with the business community. Um, what, tell me what kind of impact has that really made on the, on the Kalamazoo community? And, you know, is there a specific instance where you've really kind of really said, all right, you know what, we are accomplishing exactly what we're trying to accomplish. Yep. So the, the, what we call it is creating pathways of hope. So, you know, we can't, we can't help people until they're ready to face the realities until they're ready to do the hard work. But we feel as a community, um, when somebody reaches that point and says, I'm, I'm not settling anymore, I want to go forward, there should be roadmaps, um, not actually on paper roadmaps, but there should be paths that they can get themselves out. They can do the work. They're capable. It's just as a community, we often put barriers in place to the, insulate ourselves to end it as a result, it prevents them from being successful when they're ready. One of the coolest things that we had happened this year was we met with the local community college, and they have this fantastic um, tech training program. So it's the skilled trades. It's you know production technician training where you learn how to really operate in a, a manufacturing facility well. It's CNC operator training where there's there's a huge need across this country for individuals that know these skilled trades. The problem that the community college was having is that they couldn't get people to enroll in their classes. They couldn't fill anything up. And um, so we came to them and said, we have a population that we think would be awesome for this. Mm-hmm. And they, they looked at the numbers and they said, um, well, only 30% of the individuals you serve have a high school diploma. That's a problem. And then they said, well, and they also said, we are not going to put people through a training that have a criminal background because we don't think that they can have, our employers will hire them. So we used the same methodology that we used with our employers and said, here's our success rates. Here's 48 local employers that hire our graduates. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, we can get over the felony thing. But what do we do about high school diplomas? And I remember back when I worked um, in the trades and there was a carpenter that I worked with that I think he maybe had an eighth grade education. But you give him a set of plans to build a structure and he'll build the straightest structure. He'll build it perfectly. Yeah, It was a good fit for his skill set. He didn't necessarily understand the books, but he didn't need to. So we were able to work with the community college and get them to lower their entrance requirements down to, they had to understand math at a sixth grade level. And they were they're like, this is what we think they need. And it was still kind of risky. And we put a class through one of their trainings. Average math scores were sixth and seventh grade level when before they'd been requiring high school diploma or higher. Right. And not only were they successful, 100% of that class was hired within two weeks of graduation. Wow. And so now this community college is saying, wow, this is, this is our population that we can engage with. This is, this is our talent pool. 
Uh, you just so that's a permanent thing that even if Urban Alliance was to go away tomorrow, this pathway has been established that wow, I can get into a community college and take really good training and get a really good job and I just you know somebody's willing to take a chance on me I don't these barriers that existed before have been have been fallen down have fallen down and it's it's further magnified because we have a local employer that uh, has hired some of our graduates in the past that need CNC operators and we have a uh, term going on right now where we have 11 guys and gals going through CNC operator training. And this employer's sight unseen hasn't seen a single individual, hasn't met one of them, and has agreed to hire nine of our graduates as soon as they're done. Wow. So now you have somebody that comes from, you know, two of the guys that started this class were homeless when they started this class. And now they're being recruited prior to graduation for a job that's going to pay 14 to 15 dollars an hour which is a living wage up here in Kalamazoo and this path has been created that's something that's permanent and so you you start doing enough of those and the neighborhoods their hope increases they're like wow my uncle that I never thought I would see a job is at a community college learning something and he has a job when he graduates maybe I'm going to work harder in school because society views him and gave him a second chance. So I'm going to fight for my first chance. That's fantastic. Well, first and foremost, thank you for all that you do. I mean, just hearing some of these stories is inspiring me and hopefully it's inspiring the listeners too. And and I know that the, the, the next question that I have to ask is how, how do we help out? How does obviously people in the, the Kalamazoo community, how do they support the urban Alliance? And then what can some, what, what are some things that uh, business people in their communities, what can they do uh, to, to kind of help out, give a second chance to some of these individuals where maybe an urban Alliance doesn't exist? Well, my, my, when I first started this job, I, I was always telling people I need volunteers for my organization. But as I've matured as a leader and I'm encountering the business community, my mindset has shifted to, I don't, it doesn't matter to me where you plug in, but get plugged in, find an organization that you are excited about what they do and find out what you can, you can do to help. Um, you know, mentoring is huge. Having somebody that's successful sit down and spend an hour a week with somebody that has been disadvantaged, it changes their their framework. It changes their mindset. And be open to opportunities that present themselves. You know, I, I, I'm sure there's fantastic organizations in the Tulsa area that – do similar types of works. The business community has so much to offer. You have jobs, you have, um, you have resources. And oftentimes it's not a big financial gift that these organizations need, though they do need those to survive. It's your time, a little bit of your expertise. We had a, a local company that came in that helped us. They donated some of their staff members that were really good with process. And they helped us refine our process so we could be more efficient. And that was a couple hours of their staff members' time, but it allowed us to serve so many more people. And it's it's through 
it goes back to that thing. It's through relationships. It's through my relationships with the people on the streets that we work with and my relationships and staff's relationships with the businesses and the institutions. People connecting with people uh, mm-hmm. is, to me, um, you know, and in some the business community to me is, is who can pull this once like in Kalamazoo we're, we're, we can't keep up with the businesses that want to get involved now. And so what's happening is, is instead of me as an organization pushing and saying, you need to adopt this change, the businesses have said, wow, this works, this population helps solve some of our problems. And when the business community pulls back and says, or pulls towards them and say, we can be involved with this, you really get the significant um, shifts in how the population is viewed citywide when the businesses play a role in it. Um, I, yeah, so my, my biggest suggestion is find a place to volunteer your time to build relationships with somebody that's different than you. And up here in Kalamazoo, I'm sure you have a United Way down in, in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a great resource. Hey, who does this type of work? Who needs mentors? Absolutely. They'll have a list of 20 organizations that are dying for a mentor or for a volunteer. And create an atmosphere where you encourage your staff to get plugged in as well. Because what we see in this diversity situation, you're, you're taking somebody that like me and how I used to be insulated from this. And Evan, you said, you know, you're aware of it, but you're just because of your bubble, you're not engaged into it. We're missing out on a lot of talent. We're missing out on a lot of opportunity that's mutually beneficial just because we're not intentional about seeking out those that are different than us or disadvantaged and saying, you know, what's your name? What are your dreams? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? And it's so to me, that gives me hope for solving these problems in these cities is that, yes, you need a program. Yes, that stuff needs to exist. But it's really when people connect with people that are different than them, it makes the whole city better. That's awesome. Well, I'll go ahead and put the uh, contact information for the Urban Alliance in in the uh, in the notes section of the podcast. So if you want to support the Urban Alliance or help them do or get involved or even reach out to them if you're in the Kalamazoo community, uh, reach out to them. See see what they can do to to kind of help you and help you get involved. And then obviously, if you're not in that area, if you're in the Tulsa area, you're somewhere else. Uh, find a local organization that you can get involved with. There's definitely no short shortage of need and so and that's it doesn't matter what community and there's always going to be some sort of opportunity where people are struggling and we can help them um luke you talked a lot about mentorship and i think that that's fantastic that's one of the things that we really push on our organization is is mentoring the next generation and that's part of what this podcast is for um you know i'm obviously on the older side of of the young businessman but when it ultimately comes down to it it took a long time for me to even get the uh get the courage to get out there and, and feel like I had something to say. And what I realized right. was, you know, I have maybe more expertise than somebody 10 years younger than me. I, I may look up to a lot of people and say, well, you know, there's a, there's a John Maxwell, like that's the guy who should be talking to people. There's a right. Jim Rohn or, or there's, you know, there's all these different people out there that you look at and say, these guys have it together. I, I don't hold a candle to these guys. 
And what you don't realize is, and even you, like you have, you've gone through, you've been an entrepreneur, you've had a business, uh, you've worked in the business community, you know some of a lot of these different things and some of the struggles that people deal with. And that's what makes it a little bit more relatable. But also, uh, you're able to say, hey, here's what it looks like on the other side. And uh, you're able to tell those stories and, and, and really help that next generation understand that if we can look at the resources that we have differently, if we can look at ourselves differently. And then I loved how you said, look at jobs differently. Jobs to people who are trying to get back on their feet is probably one of the most powerful things that you can give them. You're not giving them, uh, you're not just giving them welfare. You're not just giving them money and putting a bandaid on the problem. You're actually reintroducing them to society and allowing them to provide for themselves. The power of a job, I guess I've never really comprehended it to uh, like it's always been something normal for me, but now looking at it from the other side of we have the ability to help our community as business people by creating job opportunities that could literally transform neighborhoods, transform lives. And I think that that's a fantastic opportunity that we have. And I hope that you look at the jobs that you create as business people differently because it's not just about you trying to make sure that your your team's not overloaded. You're actually helping individuals and you're helping families potentially get out of situations uh, that they've been trying to get out of for a long time. So Luke, Absolutely. I want to th- say thank you again for, for taking the time to be on this call or to be on this podcast and, and also speaking to uh, this larger audience. If, if, if we've done anything, hopefully we've helped share a little bit about what the Urban Alliance is, but also help change people's mindsets a little bit, especially, like I said, if you're in that younger generation and you're, you're trying to uh, just get your feet underneath you and get to that next level, don't forget to look back a little bit. There's always going to yep. be people behind you that you can help. There's always people that you can reach out a hand to. Even if it's the smallest amount of action, you're actually working to create a better community. So Luke, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.